Soylent Roots podcast, journeying together into deep discipleship. I'm Brian Fisher. And I'm Kyle Moody. And this is episode 77. Kyle and I are back in the greenhouse and we're exploring courageous curiosity. Mm, Yes, indeed. We're in this little mini-series. We call it the Kingdom Dwellers series. Mm -hmm. And we are going to be exploring a handful of characteristics, of qualities of somebody who is a deep disciple We've talked about that in any number of different angles, but maybe somebody who's in stage five or six, somebody who has been walking with the Lord a long time, somebody who has gone through the journey inward and moving into the journey outward. And so it's tempting to, you know, look at the very wonderful biblical list, the fruits of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, Mm -hmm. the Beatitudes, some of the other areas where great qualities of mature Christians are listed but this is Soil and Roots, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've different. decided to look underneath the surface and explore. Maybe there are some things that we can learn from Jesus and the way that he interacted mm-hmm. that uh, might be drivers or fundamentals, even underneath some of the some of the lists that we're familiar with. So we're starting with one that we've talked about on and off, really, mm-hmm. over the last two years, yeah. which is Courageous Curiosity, which is the habit, the desire, the passion to ask curious questions Mm -hmm. of God and of ourselves and of others. And I linked it to a quote from Richard Foster. I, you know, I read Celebration of Disciplines a while ago and I didn't catch the quote. I found the quote in some other publication, Mm. but he said, uh, we don't need any more intelligent people. We don't need more gifted people. We need deeper people. Mm. We need people of depth. And at least to me, the way to become deeper is to be a person of curiosity, asking mm-hmm. a lot of questions. Yep. So you and I have just finished about a two-hour discussion yeah. <laughs> prior to pushing record. It was awesome. Yeah. And uh, we wove our way through heartbreak and relationship fractures and mm-hmm. the modern church and our frustrations with both of our churches. And And part of what we talked about is this lack of courageous curiosity and this lack of depth. Mm-hmm. So how have you experienced, maybe you don't agree, A, do you agree that we are lacking courageous curiosity in general? And if so, what, what has that looked like, you know, in your, in your life? Yeah. I, first of all, that completely resonated with me. Um, this idea of a lack of depth. Mm. And again, I, I can see that on my own walk. Um, when I first started out or, you know, when I first started trying to wrap my mind around Jesus and going to church and everything, I, I don't really think there was much depth talk. It was about, you know, scripture and, and all of those are great. Like you said, when, whenever we talk about other things other than depth, it doesn't mean that those things are bad or right. those things are, you know, uh, non-formative. It just, I think I, I, I agree that there is a, a shocking lack of depth in a lot of conversations, uh, a lot of relationships, because it's scary. I mean, depth by definition is a scary thing. You think about, well, what does that mean deep? Uh, The first thing I thought of was The Abyss, the movie The Abyss. And I was telling you about that off air, but 
I mean, they go down into this and they send a little drone or whatever, and it's and it cracks and it breaks because. So wait, this is a movie from when? Uh, nineteen eighty six. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. For our so, listeners, it was a movie. Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris. Yep. Right. Was in it. Okay. Ed Harris was and in it. It's about a yeah, team Michael of Bain. explorers yep. who mm-hmm. they're drillers. They're drillers. Yep. Underwater drillers, okay. and they've stumble across this chasm, and they're like, "What is this?" So they're explorers. And so there's right. Okay. And there's some other things that happen. It's a fantastic movie. You should okay. check it out. Right. But anyway, so I read that, an article that it was like awful to film, though. Like, oh, a couple yeah. of the actors actually almost drowned. James Cameron times. directed it. Yeah. And yeah, they actually re-released it not too long ago in the theaters. Um, I wanted to go see it, but I didn't get a chance to. But yeah, it, it was it was tough. But again, that that in and of itself is a great testament to the fact that anything worth doing is sometimes very difficult and challenging and yeah. sacrificial. So anyway, so they the whole point of the movie is that they find this this chasm and it's about going into that. But it's extremely difficult going in there. And it made me think about what you were talking about with courageous curiosity and so many times when we're having conversations or we are involved in something i mean people feel the need to kind of sugarcoat stuff Mm -hmm. and to be like and just give a surface answer like how are you doing oh i'm great i mean i do it all the time Mm -hmm. but what i find to be extremely beneficial um inspiring is when somebody can go into those depths okay so fear is one of the challenges to courageous curiosity oh, absolutely. right yeah i think we have busyness mm-hmm. and we have sort of the mystique of the of some modern churches so mm-hmm. you know i think i'm fine sharing this jessica and i have been part of a church for about three years um we're involved mm-hmm. i volunteered led a small group uh, she went on a missions trip uh you know faithful to the church it was a it's a fast-growing church they want to become a mega church. They've been very clear about that. And, uh, you know, I just sat there one Sunday and I'm like, I've been here for three years and I don't have a single friend. Mm. And it's not for lack of, you know, I mean, I'm introverted, but I'm not like a hermit. So sure. uh, I'm not going around shaking hands, kissing babies every week. But right. at the same time, you know, we have really made best efforts to get involved through volunteer efforts or ministry sure. efforts. We've attended some of the ministries. Yeah. Jessica did women's Bible study like three times, two or three times. And she has one friend and I had, I'm not even sure I knew many people's names because, mm-hmm. and so I, I just, I walked, I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I think it's time to try to move on, mm-hmm. which is very difficult for me. I'm not, we're not church hoppers. We're, that's not the way that we're wired. Yeah. But at some point you realize that in that case, that church is not there to actually build relationships. Mm. It's not designed to build communities. Mm-hmm. It's designed to get converts and baptisms mm. and then sort of send people on their way, you know, for the next event next Sunday. You know, we live in the Dallas area, so maybe it's a Texas or a Southern thing. I don't know. I, I think there's lots of different churches with lots of different cultures. But in our case, if if you're so concerned about numbers, mm-hmm. then you will not be concerned about the individual and you're not going to create a culture that, that creates depth. Right. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to another friend this week, and you know he had, he has a much better uh, view of sort of American church and culture. And he said, you know, most people are now, many leaders are now acknowledging that the small group movement is failing. Mm, really, it's just not working. Wow. You know, if courageous curiosity requires relationship, it requires mm-hmm. intentionality. And if one of the obstacles is maybe fear, like we don't want to know mm-hmm. answers to hard questions sure. of God, ourselves, and others. 
or we're just too busy, you know, we're coping. We mm-hmm. kind of have our hectic life, our hectic Christian life. You know, we have to go serve, 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 serve mm-hmm. here. But those things don't necessarily breed relationships. Uh, to me, it's it's going to breed uh, an extraordinary unspoken loneliness mm-hmm. uh, and isolation. Yeah. Even if we're sitting amongst thousands of people at, or hundreds of people at a church service. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I've come to the point in my life where I prefer the smaller church to the larger church. I'm not saying there's not benefits to larger churches, but smaller churches that aren't attempting to become mega churches tend to put far more focus on discipleship and the individual, which, whereas the big churches are trying to get numbers and dollars and mm-hmm. infrastructure and whatnot. I, I'm sure there are examples of mega churches that are communicating, I'm sorry, creating great community mm-hmm. i've not seen one yeah and there certainly isn't one in our area yeah you know what's your what's your church experience been like in terms of the church intentionally attempting to create interpersonal communities within the body of christ realizing that requires time mm-hmm. and it requires uh it, invi- it requires a curiosity and a courage to be curious is that fair yeah absolutely it's fair yeah i, I mean we Michelle and I have been going to the same church for uh, on and off 25 years. Mm. Now, again, this obviously we've only been married for 17. So I was going to this church on and off before. And then when she came, when we got married, we decided to, you know, we visited several other churches and we came back to the one to, to this one and for a lot of different reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I resonate with what you're saying about friendships because I, I have, I, I told you off air I had none, but then I remembered I, I, there's one that I that I do have, maybe two. Okay, I, like you, I was involved in a men's Bible study. I led like a table group a couple of summers. Sure, um, you know, did a greeter or whatever, you know, volunteering, doing things, the Operation Christmas Child or whatever, feed my starving children and all the stuff. All those things are fantastic. You get a part of that, but I, yeah, I never had a sense of community. Um, from there. And when Michelle and I, and I've shared this before, but when Michelle and I first started going there as a young couple, we, we tried several different community groups, small groups, and it just didn't, just didn't work out. Now, when you were talking before, I, I was immediately thinking about devil's advocate and thinking, okay, well, you, so you've been at that church for three years. I hear the voices of people that would have said to me, well, you know, in God's time, three years is just such a small amount. Right. right. So why, I mean, you're just going to run after three years, why not sit and wait and let the Lord open things up? Now, the idea behind that is wonderful, is great, but I think it's been distilled. It's been commercialized, if you will, so much that it's just a pat answer that it, there's no, there's no re, there, there's no reality to that. It's like, well, just wait, just, okay, well, what does that look like if I'm miserable and I, I'm not seeing community. I'm not feeling it. What What does that mean to well, just the, wait? I mean, in fairness, the criticism could well be leveled against us. I think that would be fair. Uh, and, and the reason is because, you know, the, the guilt-inducing response would be, well, we go to church to serve, not to be served. Right. You know, I'm a lifelong church member. Mm-hmm. I've been an elder of church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've 99% of Sundays in my life I've been in church. Yeah. So I fully support the institution of the church, and I, I see its its value. But I think, you know, we go to Hebrews 10, 23, 25 a lot. Not really sure the assembling together tone of that passage 
is what we've made it. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's an implied understood community underneath it. Mm -hmm. I mean, for most of human history, the people you were worshiping with, you were also living with, you were working with, you were in community with outside of that. The final straw for me was that the, the, the senior pastor said from the pulpit, <laughs> you know, he was, he was bragging about the number of converts and baptisms mm -hmm. to another pastor. And the pastor said to him, Hey, you know, that's great, but I'd kind of be interested to know where everybody's at three to five years from now. Yeah. And the guy was saying, we should be about making disciples. Right. And the, the senior pastor of this church said he wanted to throat punch him. This is after three years of attempting sure. to work in this and be in this type of environment. Right. But at some point I realized this church is actually kind of antithetical to everything that we talk, talk about here. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just a mismatch and God bless them and they're growing and I, I guess people are getting saved and baptized and you know, mm -hmm. it's great. But um, it's not a curious church. They don't allow, I mean, I remember we were, we led a small group and the one requirement, one of the requirements was, you know, you can lead a small group, but you can't disagree with anything the pastor said. Oh, you can use the sermons and you can use the sermon notes, but you're not allowed to actually, they, like, well, they actually said that oh yeah, like you can't. Okay. Yeah, just don't disagree with anything. He said it squashes doubt, mm -hmm. curiosity, questions, because it creates this environment that is very sermon-centric and pastoral-centric that does not give space mm -hmm. for doubt or questions. Well, they don't have time. And if depth is achieved primarily through time mm -hmm. and questions, mm -hmm. then you end up with a church that's you know a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm -hmm. I keep going back to when I read through the Bible for the first time. Like this, and this was in the last 10 years. Because again, growing up in the church, I, you know, yes, you're exposed to all parts of the Bible, but, and, you know, you've got the plans, do it, you know, the year reading through the Bible in a year and all that. And I tried that a couple of times and it just didn't, I, I gave up, you yeah. know, after March or whatever. Leviticus will kick yeah. most people out. Yeah. But and let me, so, let me just pause you. Yeah. If you decided, mm -hmm. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, go for but it. I just have a question. Yeah. I want to know your heart on this. Okay. Talking about depth and courageous curiosity. Mm -hmm. If somebody said to you, Kyle, mm -hmm. I want you to spend a year in Genesis 1, mm. would you feel guilty? No. Okay. But I mean, if that's the only Bible passage you read for a year. Now? No. Before? Yes. Okay. I'd be like, uh, why do I have to, I'm not, I can't spend that much time on one verse. Wait a minute. One verse? What are you saying? Could be one A couple verse. of verses? I'm suggesting a chapter. A chapter in Genesis. Just one? Chapter. You said for 365 well, days, I'm going to just marinate and sit and learn and study, maybe do the Lectio Divina mm. on Genesis 1. How would you feel about that? Right now, I would be like, oh my gosh, that's a that's a fantastic idea. I can't wait to do it. I'll do it. I'll do it tonight. Now, before, five, six, seven years ago, I would have been like, what? What am I going to do for a year in one chapter of the Bible? But would you feel guilty that you weren't reading other passages? Sure. There would probably be an element okay. of that. Yeah. Like, uh, well, but that's just one part. Because I've done the Bible in a year thing. Mm -hmm. And like, I realized it's just to get through it. I wasn't right. comprehending much, well, that, but I needed to check the box. And I, mm -hmm. you know, the church was all about it. And it was yeah. this cultural thing. We got to read through the Bible right. in a year. You got to know I'm the not, Bible. I'm not adverse to it. But if, if again, we're, we're at this point, if curiosity requires marination, Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Marinating? Marination? Marination. Uh, hey, let's adopt it. Marination. If it requires us marinating in scripture, then that's hard to do if you're trying to blow through exactly. chapters, you know, 
I think that's fine if you're trying to get the overall narrative sure. of the Bible. That's sure. cool. But if depth requires, for, we've talked about courage mm-hmm. as a balance to fear. Mm-hmm. We've talked about time as mm-hmm. a as a contrast to busyness. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about being okay <laughs> marinating mm-hmm. versus just trying to get through something. And that's what I was saying is that, so when I finally started to read through the Bible, somebody had, I either heard it from someone or I read it somewhere that they were like, don't put a time limit on it. Just go through it however long it takes you. Right. Journal and ask what. So going back to this, I mean, I, when I read through it, I it took me over two years to do this. And I have journal after journal after journal of questions that I had, things that didn't make sense, insights that I'd never had before. And it, it was, I looked forward to it every single day. And it wasn't because I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to get through these five chapters or I have to get through this. It was, I don't even know where I'm going to go. I don't know how far, if it's going to be a verse or if it's going to be a chapter, whatever. I'm just really excited about the adventure. Scripture as you know, Jewish meditation literature. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the essence of the book. Meditation, we gnaw on it. We, mm-hmm. we marinate in it. We chew it. Like mm-hmm. that's, there's some sense of that in scripture. Mm-hmm. That implies that there is a depth to it. Mm-hmm. But there is a, there's some mystery to it. There is application. There is transformation mm-hmm. that takes time and curiosity to to extract. Mm-hmm. I'm not. This, I'm not saying that reading the Bible in a year is, is bad. I think no, if the purpose of is to not. get the vibe and to understand the story, it's great, and that's important. However. You know, the more that I have sort of fallen in love with scripture, mm-hmm. the more that I find myself actually wanting to slow down and spend a lot of time in smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Because the more that I go through them and I ruminate on them, the deeper and more connected I find it. Mm-hmm. And there's a richness down there. Do you, Are you comfortable asking questions of God in the Bible? Are you comfortable going to the spirit or going to scripture and saying, I don't like this. I'm not even sure I agree with this. I need to explore this. I have a question about this and I'm not going to rest until I've dug through this. Are are you comfortable? Have you always been comfortable doing that? No. And I, when I first started reading through the Bible, I, there were questions that I had that scared me. Like there were passages of scripture that I had known before. And the, the one that leaps off um, in my head right now is, when uh, Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. Right. And, you know, yeah, I've heard that story a million times and uh, everything else. But then now I, I was reading it as a father. And, and especially after the, the chapters before this, where God is very, very clear about child sacrifice right. and how awful that is and how terrible it is. And then I get this and I, it, it scared me to think, but I, there was something in that that I really wanted to sit and, and think about. But it, it was, it was very, if, okay, if, if God just said, don't sacrifice children, that's terrible. But then here he is telling Abraham to kill his son for him to prove that God's more important than his son. That scene, that's, I don't understand that, that, that scares me. Plus there's a hint that that test was because Abraham and Sarah tried to get a son their own way. Right. So there's a sense of if you're going to circumvent mm-hmm. my promise, then you're going to have to give up 
Like yeah. there's there's a bit of a tone of hmm. Mm-hmm. Now God in His grace and mercy obviously spared the child and provided a sacrifice, but yeah, I, that's a disturbing passage. Uh, yeah, it's a and, difficult passage. And like to your point of you know, are, am I comfortable asking these kind of questions? At first, no, but then. Even that, like right now, talking to you about this, I don't have some sort of great explanation for that. Yeah, I've heard that Abraham probably knew that even if he did kill Isaac, that God would resurrect That's what him. That's says, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, okay, that provides a little bit more comfort in my flesh. Is like, oh, okay, God, you're not just... But again, you go to Job, That all kinds of things. I still wrestle with Job. We've talked about this, about everything is just wiped out. But yeah, it's it's brought back. But then the question I have is, isn't Job still hurting? Isn't this huge hole that was taken that is left in him from all of his children that are gone? Yeah, that's great that he got new kids, but you're, you're not sitting here telling me that he's forgotten about all of that. Where, how does he, how does he reconcile that? Where does that go? And I, I've never had conversations like that in church ever. (laughs) Like that's never, I mean, nobody's going to talk about that because there's not a, a nice answer to it. There's, there's not a, an easy thing that you can throw up on social media and go, oh, here's the end. There's not. But I think these kind of questions are so critical to knowing Jesus. And when we wade into stuff like this, even if we are scared, I've found that when I go in here, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is kind of scary, but I, I know it's not going to be something that I can't recover from. I have a question that I don't no, it can be answered, but you have Job. Mm-hmm. And in the end, God never tells Job why what happened to him happened to him. Mm-hmm. He basically says, you know, I'm, I'm the one who spun the heavens into place. Yeah. And yet, God has created us with the desire to seek mm-hmm. wisdom mm-hmm. and knowledge. And we're told to do it. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, we're supposed to seek after God and ask questions, ask, mm-hmm. seek, knock, right? Yeah. On the, I mean, the other hand... <laughs> <laughs> there's just answers you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit uh it puts me a little bit of a in a of a turn. Because of course. why have we been created with this desperate desire to know and to seek and to learn and at the same time be told, Yeah, there's just some things that you're just not gonna you're not gonna grasp. I'm not claiming that, you know, we're trying to become God. I'm simply saying that's a that's a that's a question that to me is not yet reconcilable. You mm-hmm. know, if if God forbid somebody loses a child, somebody is betrayed, somebody's ha- dealing with a, a difficult illness, mm-hmm. you know, there are Christians that are going to say that to them, "Oh, don't ask why. God's got this." Right. I, I find that to be so reprehensible. Oh, it's offensive because we are people designed to ask why. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean we're going to get a, an answer. Right. Sometimes we do, mm-hmm. but to tell somebody who's desperately seeking a reason behind injustice or evil. Mm-hmm. Oh, just read Job. Well, that's not going to, there's help. a lot of, well, there's lots of parts of Job that will, but sure, if, if, but you, if I, the end, all you do is kind of throw up your hands and say, well, I just have to trust God granted, but, and maybe the point of him creating us to be curious and ask these questions is not to get answers. I, I think it has to be a mix. Sure. There are plenty of times in the Bible where God deals very directly with people and gives them answers. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of times. But he there's doesn't. times that He doesn't. Mm-hmm. But we're still supposed to ask. I think yeah, the, right. the, the the idea of curiosity is that it builds trust. Mm-hmm. What I'm wrestling with is, but that trust is not. It, that's a it's a relational dynamic. Like you and I trust each other because we've known each other. We've been mm-hmm. through various circumstances together. We have mm-hmm. history. We have experience. We have relationship. We trust each other. Mm-hmm. 
it's not just because you came along and said, oh, I'm trustworthy. Trust me. So trust right. me. So in our relationship with God, if, if our trust is deepened through experience and relationship, and that allows for us to ask difficult questions, how does that work when our questions aren't answered? <laughs> what about this? So do you think that that trust is built when we do ask difficult questions and we do like looking back on your own life, yeah. I'm sure there are questions that you've asked that you never got the answer to, yes. but there are questions that you asked that you did and God showed up in a big way. Those moments where he has shown up and he has told you, are those enough to carry you through the times when mm. you don't know? Mm. Uh, it depends on the day. Yeah. I wish it wasn't that way. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not enough of a disciple, you know, to be blunt. I'm, I'm not at the point where when things happen that I don't understand or like, or that are uncomfortable or that cause suffering. Um, and I ask why or other related questions and God is silent. I want to be the type of person that goes on my merry way and, and feels good about that, but I'm not, I'm not there. But maybe it's not about accepting it and going on your merry way. Maybe it's just that level of trust. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's, there's, I'm not at the point where my trust, it's not a salvation question, my trust right. in God's providence, you know, the Romans 8.28, you know, I'm, I, I have found myself more so as, an, as a middle-aged person than as a younger person wrestling with that and still trying to work that out. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm still growing to trust him in some ways. And there are times where I deeply question what he's doing. I don't like what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what he's doing. And when he doesn't respond, um, I don't like it. And it, and it uh, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And could you call that a lack of faith? Yeah, probably. So do you think there is a time this side of heaven, this side of the, you know, the eternal kingdom, that you're going to be like that? that you're going to have no matter what the circumstance, I mean, you know, something catastrophic, let's think losing Jessica or yeah. losing, you know, one of your kids. And you, you think that there is a time when based on your intimacy with Jesus and your, your depth of discipleship, that if something like that happened, you would be like, okay, well, and again, I it, think there are, there have been p examples of people throughout history who walk so closely with Jesus that they truly can get up every morning and say, whatever happens today is either God allowed or God caused, mm -hmm. however you want to phrase that, and are at peace with that. Not that they don't suffer, not that they don't grieve, not that, mm -hmm. not that there's no, this isn't like Pollyannish, mm -hmm. but that they have such a level of trust in God's goodness that they recognize the grieving and suffering as part of the deal and are not going to ask why nearly as often as I might. I think, I, and I think, you know, I've mentioned Bonhoeffer before. The, the story is that right before he was assassinated, you know, he was caring for others and very calm. And, and I, mm -hmm. I think the quote was, you know, today is the rest, of, this is the first day of my real life or something to that mm -hmm. effect. I forget what the quote was. Um, that's not me. <laughs> just, that is not the way I'd be responding but, if I was in a prison camp about to be executed. Um, but I think he was a, a much deeper person. But can you see that there is grace for you, even if you don't never get to that place? Yeah. Oh, sure. There's not 
just because. But I want to be at that place. Right. But maybe God doesn't want you to get to that place. Well, I think that's sort of the point, though. I mean, when but you, not just we, like Bonhoeffer. Do well, you know not, what I mean? Yes, but I mean, Philippians 1, 9 to 11, 2 Peter 3, 18, there's this sense of we are increasing in our dependency, in our love, mm-hmm. in our rest, in our reliance, mm-hmm. and that um, there is joy and calm in our hearts, sort of regardless of what happens. Again, that's not an absence of emotion. Sure. Not an absence of grief or suffering or happiness. But it is a centeredness that I think that's that's sort of where we should hope to head. But couldn't that take a lot of different I think so. Shapes and forms? Yeah. Like we're all different. So you might react to that. You could be just as deep a disciple as I am, but react to that and and experience that much different than I would. Do you think there's a one size fits all? No, that? but I think there's characteristics that tend to be common. And those mm-hmm. are the the calm the peace in the midst of suffering, the abandonment to Jesus and the acknowledgement that, you know, he is, he is good and triumphant regardless of some of our circumstances. And, and it's probably, you know, at that point, not a person that has to ask why the way that we would ask why the curiosity Mm -hmm. is probably more of, you know, how is God working through this Mm -hmm. instead of why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. Those are two different curious questions and I at this point in my life I'm much more in the I don't really care what God is up to I'm just curious why it's happening to me Mm -hmm. it's just immaturity on my part That's our questioning of God. Mm-hmm. We've also talked about questioning of others mm-hmm. and curiosity about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think <laughs> okay. the curiosity about others uh-huh. is best explored in marriage mm-hmm. or in relationship with our kids or in uh, long-term friendships. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the questions tend to stop. <laughs> um, and the point I was trying to make, and I didn't make it very well, was that in a marriage... The marriage's ability to flourish mm-hmm. and grow and deepen and become more of a model of what Christ and the church are in relationship is dependent on both parties' willingness to to be courageously curious. Mm-hmm. And when that stops, when there are topics and subjects and ideas and, and events that we just no longer talk about because what we're afraid or they're uncomfortable or they might result in conflict. uh, That's when the marriage begins to turn into a, you know, a a colder sort of environment. Mm -hmm. Curiosity to me seems to lead to a warmth and a depth and an intimacy and a better model of Christ in the church versus coming up with a laundry list of things we're not going to talk about. So what say you, cause you've been married for a while. How long have you been married now? 17, 17 years. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I absolutely agree. But at the same time, I think there is a huge amount of trust that you have to place on the Holy Spirit when you're navigating things like that. Because again, just in the last week, Michelle and I have had some very good, but very difficult conversations. Mm. And I mean, we've both reflected how earlier in our marriage, we never would have been able 
we wouldn't have done that. We would have either said what the other one we thought they wanted to hear. Yeah, sure. Or we would hide something or we would immediately go on the defensive. Well, so what's changed that you are able to now have that level of question? Uh, marriage? It's one word courage. But, and but how did know, that develop? Well, because by continuing to do it, I mean, again, I, I, I see it as um, the example of going into a minefield, right? Like mm-hmm. at the beginning of my marriage, I would have thought, well, I can't walk into there. I don't know where these things are. If I step on that, it's going to blow my leg off and then the marriage is over. Or she's going to think of me in this different way. I can't, nope, I'm not even going into there. Mm. Now, it's I go into that minefield knowing that it's not going to destroy us. It, now, I'm still scared. Even though I know that if I step on one of those mines, it's not going to blow up in the way that I think it will. But my flesh is like, that's going to blow your leg off or it's going to destroy something. The spirit... And my experience tells me, just walk in there. So you're going to be okay. Okay, but it, but the reason you are, you have more courage, and Michelle has more courage to engage and ask questions about more difficult areas of the marriage, mm-hmm. are because you have 17 years under your belt, mm-hmm. and neither of you have left. <laughs> right. I mean, there's the there's sort of a bedrock acknowledgement. Nobody's going anywhere, even if it's uncomfortable. I can rely on the fact that okay, I've been here before. I know that God is with us. He has ordained us. He's He has blessed this marriage, he, all these things. I know that we're going to be okay. And this, this creates the depth with each other. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Like when I do these things, I, there's a, there's never, there's never a bottom that I'm going to get to. It's always going to keep going. Like there's in the, in the circling back to the movie, there, there was a bottom to that. It was, yes, it was extremely deep, but there was a bottom. There's no bottom with with Jesus. It's, I can keep going and keep going and he's going to keep guiding me into that. And I'm going to be discovering new things about him and myself. And there's not, there's not a, there's not a floor. It's the same thing with Michelle. I'm not going to find the end of her. I'm she's no, we're going to keep exploring each other and keep going into these sometimes very scary, intimidating areas, but we're going to learn so much more about each other and it becomes more exciting. And when we enter into these these conversations or these discussions or these conflicts or whatever it's yes, there's that fear, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I know this is forming us. I know this is making us stronger. I was reading, this was several months ago, uh, Randy Alcorn's book on heaven mm-hmm. and the new heaven, and the new earth. And, um, it's funny. I went to Jess and I said, you know, one of the things I'm most looking forward to about the new heaven and new earth is actually hanging out with you and getting to know you better. Mm. she sort of just looked at me and I'm like, look, I know there's no marriage in heaven, but we got 28 years under our belt. So mm-hmm. my intention is to hang out with you a lot, whatever context that looks like yeah. on the other side. But that what I was recognizing was that as much as I know her, mm-hmm. I still don't know her that well. Yeah. And, and it may take an eternity to get to really know her, but yeah. it requires that curiosity, mm-hmm. it requires the questions, it requires the willingness, the experience of going into new places and, and maybe opening up some old places that haven't been opened in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to is is uh, experiencing her and getting to know her, uh, you know, forever. I think, it, I, I don't think that would ever end. Yeah. And I'm not sure we normally view human beings like that. Mm-mm. 
I don't think so. I think in too many close relationships, marriages and otherwise, you know, some people sort of assume like they've hit that bottom. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's possible. No. I just don't think we understand anthropology very well. All right. Well, let's, we've covered obstacles to curry. <laughs> We're both having trouble. <laughs> obstacles to curiosity. We've talked about, you know, the sometimes our church experience actually squashes that or doesn't allow space for that. Mm -hmm. And so community itself is squashed and the depth of human relationships that we should be cultivating in churches don't always get cultivated. Mm -hmm. And then we have the three relationships that we're looking at. And by the way, we can be curious about the fourth as well. I just didn't want to go into creation and culture, but sure. curiosity with God leads to a deeper trust and dependence on him. Hopefully, mm -hmm. even when we don't get the answers that we want or we don't get answers at all. I personally struggle with that. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm the only one No. in our closest, most intimate relationships, you know, Assuming that there actually is no depth, mm -hmm. there's no floor in our quest to become known and to know. That's kind of an interesting thought to percolate on. Mm -hmm. But in terms of ourselves, mm. <laughs> are we curious mm. about our own hearts and stories? Now, this is going to harken back to season two, mm -hmm. heart view, our eight indicators, you know, carefully evaluating ourselves and our loved ones and our friends. And attempting to discern hearts. The, the, the reason that I keep pressing on this, some might say hounding on this, is that this is this to me is Jesus. Yeah. I find him so, you know, he doesn't teach in a straightforward manner. He often uses parables. Right. Some people get it, some people don't. And he uses the phrase, you know, they don't have ears to hear. That to me is a really interesting phrase in relation to curiosity. Yeah. Um, he's always getting down to bedrock motivations and bedrock desires, bedrock ideas and his, I think both in his preaching and in his one-on-one -on -one or small group interactions. Mm -hmm. It requires us to establish that pattern, that habit with ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this concept of double knowledge that we've talked about to know Jesus better, to become more like him requires us to know him, but it also requires us to understand our own hearts. So we've talked about fear. I think we all acknowledge that that's sometimes a, a challenge. Busyness, those to me are the two biggest challenges in modern society to being courageously curious. Mm -hmm. I'm curious though, <laughs> um, how much of it is that maybe we're just not that high on ourselves? Yeah. Maybe beneath all the bravado, sometimes the arrogance, all of the trappings of modern society, maybe we aren't nearly as keen on ourselves as we would like to admit. And so to ask those questions uh, raises some, some tension. Yeah. What do you think about that? You know, you think about it growing up in the church, it was hammered into me how broken I am, how sinful I am, sure. how far away from God I am. And when left to my own devices, I would, I would be a lost, miserable soul. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's probably, for some of us, it's more conscious than unconscious, but I think that there's a lot of people that, yeah, if, if you really boil it down, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not worth going into that depth. Or if I do, that's when pride comes, and I'll be so focused on myself, then it'll take me away from Jesus. Sure, that's but, always a concern. Right, but yeah. we had the conversation a couple episodes ago when, you know, the more introspection I do, the more I understand how much I need Jesus and how much, 
I cannot possibly fathom navigating this world without him. And another thing that we were talking about before was I think there's a, there's a concern with the lack of control, right? I mean, we want to think that we're in control. I mean that, and goodness, you look around anywhere, especially in our culture today, who are the successful people? Who are the quote unquote successful people? Who are the people that are powerful? Who are the people? Right. Who are they? It's the people that know what they're doing. It's the people that have a very clear path, a very clear direction. They pick themselves up by their bootstraps and they keep on trucking and they keep on plugging away and they've got all these things. They have all these followers. So see, look, I'm doing something right. I've got tens of thousands of followers. I've got all this stuff. I've got these, whatever it is. And yeah, I mean, if you're one of the, um, a lot of us that don't have that, then you're like, you well, what's wrong it? with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with me? What am I doing? What What am I not doing? The comparison thing, right? Oh, it, it's yeah. it's a it is a devastator. Yeah. And to be able to look around, and especially on social media, where it seems like everybody on social media has is more successful than I am. Right. Every single person gets more likes or whatever, or more views and everything. Prettier pictures. Right. Yeah. Then what's wrong with me? And I, well, I'm not going to go into what's wrong with me because obviously there's a lot and I can't even untangle it. But I'm not even talking about what's wrong. I mean, this is the this is the challenge with self-introspection is that we, we tend to frame it in terms of, oh, we need to explore our sin, which we do. But to me, it's more than that. Like mm-hmm. if oh, you yeah. were to, if you want to be courageously curious about your wife, you're not just going to go run around and pick on the things that right. she's doing wrong. Exactly. You want to know her. Mm-hmm. Courageous curiosity is a deep desire to know and to be known. Mm-hmm. And that includes our faults and our failures and our sins, but it also includes our stories. It includes mm-hmm. our gifts. It includes our perspectives. It includes mm-hmm. our desires, mm-hmm. both good and bad. It includes our ideas, Absolutely. the things that actually form us. Mm-hmm. So I find this to be a fascinating quality of a deep disciple. And I'm not the only one. I mean, curiosity has been extolled for centuries, but I, I think it's something that needs to be practiced. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I, I have found it in short supply. I, I, in my interactions with Christians and non-Christians, I've actually found many non-Christians to be far more curious than Christians mm. um, about life and about the cosmos and about God and about themselves. Uh, I, because I think sometimes there's this pressure in the Christian church to sort of present the idea that we have it all together. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, because we're saved that that automatically means that our discipleship is sort of complete. Mm -hmm. Um, And this idea of being curious about ourselves, looking at our thought patterns, our emotions, our behaviors, Mm -hmm. the way we spend time and money and saying, why am I that way? Mm -hmm. uh, Is something that, you know, we we could certainly use a little more practice on and yet yields such tremendous fruit Mm -hmm. because of its ability to draw us closer to, uh, to Jesus. Yeah. I would argue that it, a lot of, and I'm speaking from experience is that when you do, when you start deep diving into that, you're going to have to get through a layer of muck. Yeah. Mm. And in order to get to the gold at the bottom and sometimes people are just like, I, I can't, and I'm, I, I don't know. I, this is scary. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to look, think about this. Nope. It's not and, important to a lot of us. Right. Well, and le- until it is until it right? breaks. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to do more of that. And, and I, I didn't do it. I was, I, cause every time I did it, I just saw bad stuff, but then God brought me to the point where he was like, look, we're going to go through all of this and I've got you, yeah. I've got you for and, freedom, for healing, mm-hmm. for reconciliation, for redemption. 
Uh, I mean, if there's one thing that we can close on, courageous, courageous curiosity is a characteristic of a kingdom dweller because when practiced in love and gentleness and humility, it's designed to draw us into deeper, more intimate relationships mm-hmm. across the board with mm-hmm. God, others, and ourselves for mm-hmm. the purposes of loving more like Jesus. Yep. That's the point. Yeah. And if Jesus... You know, I was going to tackle the question, is God curious? But we'll leave that for some other discussion. <laughs> but certainly, uh, God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, ask a bazillion questions. Then we should be asking questions. Mm-hmm. If if that's the pattern, if Jesus uh, exemplified asking, probing, pointed, gentle, sometimes uh, important, unveiling questions, then certainly... Uh, that's an important practice for us as uh, people trying to become deep disciples. And real quick before you sign off, I absolutely think that God is very, very curious. Oh, wow. Well, you can battle that out with the theologians. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, that's good. And they'll probably, yeah, but I absolutely We'll leave that is. question for somebody else to tackle. <laughs> <laughs> right? Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Really appreciate you joining us for this mm-hmm. Greenhouse episode. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the Greenhouse episodes, every other episode, Kyle and I discuss the previous episode, and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We break it down, we tear it down, we go into more depth than what yep. uh, was presented in the original episode. If you have questions, you can email us at fish at soilandroots.org. If you want to check out the website, you can do so at soilandroots.org. You can sign up for our email list there. We'd love to have you join us. Mm -hmm. As you know, we have communities called greenhouses that we've been enjoying that this is, (laughs) these are the types of discussions we have and are explored with folks who are journeying together in their spiritual formation. Thanks so much for being with us and we'll see you next time.